This is Bibliovile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliovile, I read Amanda Boucher's Heart on Fire, and Mick read Alona Andrews' Sapphire Flames. Welcome to Bibliovile, the Terrible Book Exchange Podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And I'm really in, in I, not to get in too into my own personal life, too far off the bat, or not far off the bat, too close to the bat, uh, but I'm in just the heat of the moment on five paragraph essays, and I need to practice soon. Okay. So, some might ask, what books were read for Bibliovile today? Well, I'll tell you. In Bibliovile, we read two books from our local public library. These two books are called... Sapphire Flames and Heart on Fire. By respective authors. In-text citation here. These books are very important. They are very important because they were kind of bad, but not that bad. That's the point of Bibliovile. That is the point of Bibliovile. In this essay, I will tell you more about these books. These books were bad because they had too many characters... Uh, really obvious metaphors. And all sorts of different vocab words that I needed to learn very quickly, <laughs> but in a bad way. Ah, oh, okay. I got that out. That's a, that's, how would you grade that, uh, intro, Sue? Mm, I don't know. I don't really like the part where you said, um, you just sounded very conversational at the beginning, mm-hmm. like you were talking to me, and that's not really how an essay oh, yeah. is supposed to sound. Sorry. should take a more formal tone. Okay. When describing this awful, awful sex book. <laughs> Baby the Vile is a podcast. This essay will be about the two books that are written about. In the... Do you know what's really funny? Is that when you're teaching kids to write essays, you're like, don't say this will be about. Don't say this. Es-. Like, stop saying that for Christ's sakes. And they usually get it. And then you get into, like, college and you, you don't say that. And then you get into your, like, your theses and your professional and academic writing and the book, and the it'll start with, like, this book is mainly concerned with. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, we're going to teach you how to do it so that later on you can stop doing that. You teach adult. the rules so that they know how to break them appropriately. Well, no, it, it seems to be, like, a, a rule for professional and academic publishing to actually explain this essay, this yeah. book will be focusing on. Well, that's because they're better at writing at that point. I suppose, Yeah. You're right. I They're am a, professionals at it. Or academics. One of the two. <laughs> anyway, we are here today to tell you about these two books that we got. Uh, we teased them the last uh, episode because we Sue was so excited about grabbing Sapphire Flames, a book that I had turned down getting it for her, which I am regretting doing so because <laughs> it was pretty dang good. Uh, but we teased them last episode. Now we are here to tell you about them. I will be able to tease her episode. Her, her, book uh nice and neat uh but i don't think she has picked one for me i don't have your book yet i just know what i'm getting you that scares me um this book i don't know if you picked this on purpose or not but this book is the third in a trilogy i did the other two were there and i skipped over them proud of you the other two books in the kingmaker chronicles series are point of order that there i'm sorry we are words into this and i've already interrupted it's okay there is a different Kingmaker Chronicles, if I'm not mistaken, by Patrick Rothfuss, which is a much more famous, and I assume, I hope, much better. Is uh, that called the Kingmaker Chronicles? What else is it? I don't know, but I don't think it's that. I think it's Kingmaker. 
But as you're typing that, I will try to talk over the noise of the typing. Patrick Ross. And of you yelling at your laptop that doesn't work very well. The two, the first two books in this are... King Killer Chronicles. Uh, I am sorry. This is the King Maker. It's like the opposite of It's the that. prequel. Mm-hmm. The first two are called A Promise of Fire and Breath of Fire, and this is Heart on Fire. I am sensing a theme much like mine, which is all about flames as well. Except there's not really that many flames in it. Oh. And there's also nothing about king making. I don't really know where that comes in. I see. They just play a lot of chess. Maybe it comes in the first two books that I haven't read because I started with the third one, Thank You, Mick. I would like to give you an example of the bad writing and the weirdness of what I have been dropped into by reading to you from page number two. Uh, (laughs) Number two is right. Is everyone all right? Kaya repeats, her voice rising shrilly before breaking on a hiccup. It's in present tense. Yes. Almost violently, she knocks her hat all the way off, getting it out of her face. I thought you were going to die. Over and over. All of you. She twists her fingers in the front of Griffin's tunic, holding on tight. Blood. Fire. Spiders. My stomach hollows so fast it leaves a gaping hole in my middle. She was at the games? Title case. 15-year-old sheltered innocent Kaya was at the Aegon games? How in the name of Zeus and his pet Pegasus did that happen? Oh, good. There's a lot there. We never hear about Kaya after that scene. Oh, (laughs) no. She stops being a character. What about Zeus? Oh, Zeus is in the book. Like he himself, yeah. Capital H, he is in the book. Yeah, there's there's Greek gods. She is she has been the main character. Catalia has been made by the gods. I see. Um, I just want to point out that we are going to have multiple shared threads across our books apparently because we both have fire as a theme oh. that doesn't actually show up as fire. Uh, and Greek will be a major theme in my book. Oh, interesting. Mine too, and I'm excited to tell you more about it. Here's a little bit of background. Griffin, her husband, wants to unite the three realms. That was his idea. You know that, and it was Poseidon who pushed him in my direction. Zeus, Hades, Athena, and Artemis have all helped us in some way. They're backing us, and all we want is to make Thaleria a place worth living in again, like it used to be before the kingdom split, and the Alphas, title case, turned all greedy and demented. I also have Alphas. Are we in the same universe? No, I have Primes, capital case. Oh, that's right. Uh, working against me means working against Griffin and everything he hopes to accomplish. She's saying this to Griffin's brother. Griffin's a good, good Unity boy. Now, I do have a question before we get going. Yes. Is this in classical, ancient or classical Greece? Yes. Oh. Well, it's in ancient or classical times, but it's in made-up countries. <laughs> so they used historical gods. Is yeah. it on Earth? And it's just like they call it. I don't think so. So they used historical gods. That'd be like if Han Solo like went to mass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the kingdoms that are referenced are places like Thaleria and Fisa. Oh, that's the shit right there. <laughs> um, at one point, the the main character is apparently realizing a lot of things about her identity. Sorry. So she says, Artemis told us that I'm the origin, title case, the new beginning, title case. That means that whatever we construct starts with me, which that sentence is like a Mobius strip. Whatever we make starts with me. Right? Like, of course it does. You're doing it. Yeah. Sorry, I was too distracted because I was thinking about Yoda. How good your joke was. Yeah, I was thinking about Yoda saying, 
Uh, Father, forgive me for Sindivai. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Play with me. Play with me in the Play space. In space. Does, that mean, does that make Padme the Virgin Mother? I think that is explicitly the <laughs> reference oh, that yeah. George Lucas is going for. <laughs> I don't know enough about... Well, I mean, both Catholics and Star Wars fans are very concerned with canon. <laughs> Now you say a joke. I'm working on it. I don't I know don't, about Star Wars. You uh, don't know, like, you know just enough about Catholicism to make this work, and I don't know as much about Star Wars as you know about Catholicism. <laughs> uh, Jed died for our sins. Like, no. That's all I got. Sorry. Something with peace. May the force be with you. And also, and with and your also spirit. And also, with your spirit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> there we go. Sorry, I went pre-Vatican three or whatever we're Vatican on Vatican two. Yeah, but Vatican two is in the 70s. Oh. Yeah, I suppose it was Vatican three. Vatican 2.5. Vatican 2.5. When that happened, uh, that happened in like July, and my sister went to church for the first time afterwards in December. In July of a year, not this much yes. previous to what? And then the next time after that, that my sister went to church was at Christmas and we got back in the car and she goes, they changed church. She apparently texted that to one of her friends who responded, that was so six months ago, my heathen friend. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, speaking of heathens. 21 um, pilots. I don't know. She's the origin. I don't know what that means. We never really find out. The main character was raised by Ares and Aphrodite. Yes, capital O. Ooh, Um, sex war. At one point, they reference a chaos wizard, but then we Ooh, never hear anything aww. of it again. And I'm so bummed. I want a whole book about the chaos wizard. Yeah. Can that be my next D&D character? <laughs> I think every D&D wizard is the <laughs> chaos yeah. wizard. I would like to be a chaos wizard. Um, Griffin, Cat's husband, his brother... My character is also named Cat. I think our books are actually the same, just slightly modified. I'm so excited for this. So Griffin's brother, Piers, mm. summons... Travis. <laughs> it actually really threw me off that the main character's name was Griffin because, like, in the sex scenes, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Me, Griffin McElroy. <laughs> um, play with me. Play with me. Play with in my this wiener. Case. So Pierce summons Ares to try and get rid of Cat, and it backfires, and he gets taken by Athena. Uh, Persephone was a healer who ran a circus. Oh, uh, only nine months out, or six months out of the year. Yes. But it wasn't six consecutive months. It was three and three, apparently. Ah, uh, gotta rewrite something. Yeah, gotta, gotta make it your own a little Not bit. Not that the point of that story was about spring and summer. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, would you like, would you like me to read a... A couple lines from the sex scenes. Please. uh, I hope I'll not interrupt you too much. He pinches my nipples hard and I groan as the pleasure pain sensation streaks straight to my throbbing sex. I hate every part of that sentence so much. I also do. But is he pinching her nipples hard like the, the, the... Pressure at which she is pinching them with is hard, or are her nipples hard? There's no, I think comma it's missing. The, the pinches are hard. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm. We should put a comma in there. He says to her, you're flooding my fingers. And she responds, claim me. <laughs> I wish that I could communicate the, the way eyebrows. your eyebrows 
book right now. <laughs> you know, there's like mixing your metaphors. That's mixing. How do you flood a finger? It's not a container. Do you want to hear the worst one? Okay. As he finishes, Comes. she describes it as sealing his promise with his own pulsing seed. <laughs> this sounds like she. It's very bad. It sounds like she was going for alliteration, but couldn't quite stick it. Oh, don't use the word yeah. stick. Sticky. Good, good huh. stick boy. Um, I, I wrote that phrase down and then I just wrote, ew, 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 ew. <laughs> this is about when I almost took your picture when you were reading this book. Yeah. your eyebrows did the same thing I did. My next note is, there are three sex scenes immediately in a row. I hate this. That's like Midnight Sins <laughs> over here. Mm-hmm. I think the best way to sum up both what your and my eyebrows did is they made the shape of pie, like the mathematical symbol pie. Yeah. Uh, with the, like, the curved edges and the oh, flat yes. roof and then... That's a good explanation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... At one point, we meet a creature called Lysherin. Lysherin? A werewolf. He is a centaur. Good try. Um, Here is how he is described. Lysherin. Good gods. He's still as potent as a creature can get. He's got a big Half horse, half man, and the man half is dot, dot, dot. I'd swallow, but my mouth has gone dry. Something to look at. Frankly, the horse half isn't bad either. Sleek, black, muscled, huge, everything huge. I was gonna say I wouldn't. She's recommend real it. horny for this horse. I, I was gonna say I wouldn't recommend trying to swallow if it's if it's a horse. That'd be a bad Gross. idea. Gross. Well, she said it, not me. I, I tried know. to swallow. It's like so don't. horny, so horny. Um, Susan, when a centaur yeah. is born, are both halves babies? <laughs> oh no! Because like know. a foal can walk that. within several hours, but yeah, a, a but human a baby, baby can't for like years, and its neck is all bad. So it's like as a horse is running around, is its baby top half <laughs> like flopping around? Oh, oh no! I do believe this is a Mabim Bam bit, but seeing oh, as the main no. character is Griffin, I feel justified yeah, in, in it repeating it. Um, Cat's little sister winds up going with the big dick horseman in exchange for him guarding the border. Ah, a regular Dolores Umbridge, the way she goes with those centaurs. And then... Finn um, has woken up, by the way, so he's walking around. Later, Cat is like, she's using magic to check in on the people that she loves, and so she watches her sister bone the horseman. Yuck! Yeah. Gross! It's pretty weird. Nay. Is that why there's... Don't throw a book at me. Is that why there's several sex scenes in a row? Is that she has sex, watches her sister have sex, and that gets her so horned up that she has sex again? No, thank God. We don't watch the sister sex. We just watch her watching the sister sex. So is it like Cat's face spread in a tomb of horrors as she found out what weird shit her sister is into with a horse? (sighs) Well, she was horny for the horse, too. is, Is the sister's name Catherine? No. Oh. Why? Because Catherine the Great was rumored to have sex with a horse on, on multiple occasions. Oh. It's not true. Well, of course not. Um, oh, don't say that. People have had sex with horses. Some other things that... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how I feel about the confidence with which you said that. Don't show me the lie. <laughs> Hi, Finn. Um, some other things that happened in this book. The big baddie is Cat's mother. And so she eventually Aphrodite? has to, no, she was raised by Aphrodite, but Aphrodite is not her mom. Her mom is Alpha Fiza, mm. the ruler of the neighboring kingdom that <laughs> she is trying to um, basically like annex with her kingdom of 
Valyria. This does not sound like the Greek gods I know that would not have a baby but raise it. Yeah. That's not right. That's backwards. That's backwards. Um, But so she winds up in a confrontation with her mother and her mother winds up killing herself because she knows Kat can kill her but she doesn't want to make Kat kill her so she kills herself. What a great um, enemy. At one point Kat tries to resurrect a loved one from the dead and Zeus gets mad about it and throws her in um oh whatever the land where like Prometheus goes Tartarus mm. um and so she sees Prometheus and where he's getting his liver pecked out I was gonna say too bad she's a liver and not a fighter <laughs> and then who's the one who has to push the Sisyphus Sisyphus yeah. Sisyphus um she sees him too she winds up breaking out of Tartarus and she saves Prometheus. So Prometheus is in this. She breaks him out of Tartarus ah. and he is going to help them rule their kingdom. Nice. That they have united. Did you identify with Sisyphus? Like, oh man, I feel like I've been pushing this book up a hill forever. I, well, maybe not the book, but some other parts of my life that I've been. <laughs> Oof. I'll go lay down for <laughs> no, a second if you want. Not you. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. It was weird, and a bunch of weird stuff happened. Uh, she's pregnant, and she refers to her baby as Little Bean. Little Bean. Little Bean. Just Little Bean. Um, in title case, capital letters. Well, naturally. And then it just kind of ends. <clears throat> like, she, def- well, her mom kills herself, they unite the kingdoms, and then it's just over. And maybe it would have felt like more of a triumphant ending if... I don't know. I'd read the first two Why books. Why didn't you? Um, but it didn't. I just sort of didn't care very much at all. Um, Kat re, like, learns how to control her magic and gets wings. My character also has wings. Okay, this is weird. There are too many similarities in this. I think we're living in a bibliovile singularity. I think that is legitimately happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to write a, a Medium article about it at some point, I'm sure. Um, why didn't you read the first two books to understand this third one? Because they were terrible. You don't know that. I do. But know also, that. can you imagine that that was if that was our policy when I got you Crimson Ugh. Veil? I. You know what though? Then I would have read them all and been like, "This is the best fucking series ever." Now <laughs> yeah, we have read them all yeah, collectively. But, yeah, but you would have had to read what sixteen? I don't know. I have legitimately thought about going back and reading all of Otherworld after we finish it. You'd be. Let's call it selectively reading camis, I feel. It's a little yucky. Yeah. In multiple ways. That's fair. I did wind up reading, there is a bibliophile book that I've read the entire series of. Yes, I Shot You Babe. Yes, I Shot You Babe. That's from season one? Yes. We don't talk about season one. You got me a prequel, and I liked it so much, and then I got the flu and was home for like a whole week, so I read all of the books. I still have them on my Kindle. That's where they belong. I've thought about going back and rereading them again. Oh, no. <laughs> They're nice. They're fun. That, like, uh... It's a good... Br- I just finished The Warmth of Other Suns, which was beautiful and amazing and 600 pages long. Yeah, and now you're starting Dark, which is also 600 pages long, but isn't about hope or change or anything. It's about... I don't really know what it's about yet, and I'm on book yeah, five. Yeah, I know. Stop reading it. You're, they're your mom's favorite books. Okay. I gotta submit my status as the favorite child-in-law. Good. Yeah, you already are. Um... <laughs> Oh. I don't know, this book stunk and I didn't really like it that much. But it was a good pick. 
I mean, I did not enjoy reading it. It is not it, a favorite. It is But there's some weird shit in here. No joke. Oh, I, that's my writing. Yeah. Okay, yes, because Sue stole me st- stole my uh, notebook, so I just saw my own writing and thought it was Sue's. I was like, wow, she's way worse handwriting than I thought. Do you want to know what I'm really upset about? Uh, global climate change. Yeah, but do you want to know what else I'm upset about? Uh, income inequality. Yeah, but do you want to know what else about this book that I'm upset about? Uh, general misogyny. It's in the there book, I There are a lot of things that I'm upset about. One thing that I'm very upset about is that they teased me with the concept Ooh. of the chaos wizard. Chaos. And there was never a chaos wizard. I do have to say, that is my favorite Ronnie James Dio song, Chaos Wizard. That's a very funny joke and you don't get it. Okay, great. I'm, <laughs> there was I a, hope Michelle gets it. She won't. Oh, she might. I don't know. She's a, a polymath of pop culture sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Um, But there was a, a period of time in the mid to late, early to mid to late 80s. The 80s. Early. Mid to late. I think that's the whole thing, bud. I would say concentrating on the early to mid 80s. Okay. Where like Black Sabbath, like Ozzy Osbourne music, uh, Ron and James Dio replaced Ozzy Osbourne as the lead singer of Black Sabbath. Okay. And so think about that genre. And so that genre of music was extraordinarily heavily tied to like uh, sword and sorcery, like the, the you know, loincloths on big strong men and, and leather bikinis on big boobed ladies like i don't know why but for some reason that sort of genre of metal got really into D &D style things Mm -hmm. and ronnie james dio is one of his favorites uh or not his favorite one of his most famous songs is rainbow in the dark and the video is of this dude who could not be more than 120 pounds with this gigantic shoulder length curly hair like oh, I am no. talking about if you know the guitarist from Queen that kind of hair on Ronnie James Dio and Ronnie James Dio is in furs and armor and carrying a broadsword and just sort of walking around <laughs> but like not in a like the swords in the holster and I'm traipsing through the woods yeah. like he's walking through like a disused chapel with like the sword in fighting position and then there's a dungeon and he's like just walking around oh no and i have to say that he would if he had not have uh, unfortunately died of, of pancreatic cancer he would have sang chaos wizard yeah uh, he was the guy who made up the devil horns for heavy metal music okay he did not mean for them to be the devil horns it was in fact an italian he's an italian uh descendant it was an italian reference to like a protect a protectionary sign against the eye of evil hmm. the evil eye so there's your Ronnie James Dio Minute, a new segment I'm... I'm you know uh, so many weird things. Yeah. Could you do me a favor and pet our dog? He's very Nice cute. dog. He's did a you, good puppy. Did you know that sea cucumbers have the largest proportional penis size in the animal kingdom? Are they just like all penis? Uh, well, no. They they have a body, but their penis is bigger than they are. It extends into the ocean. For you, it, it looks like the the wacky waving inflatable two men in front of car dealerships. Just like the centaur in this book. He looked like a wacky waving inflatable car man. And That's the... how big his wiener was. Oh, I see. Like most centaurs. Can we please not talk about centaur wieners anymore? I don't. I don't want anybody. Horse wieners, it is. No, tell me about. Stop sapphire. yucking on people's flames. Yums. Sapphire flames. 
I have to assume is the first book in an existing world uh, that the other books by Alona Andrews, which it was pointed out to us since we recorded the last uh, segment. Uh, we have had an Alona Andrews book on this podcast before mm-hmm. and we forgot about it. And the reason we forgot about it is because we didn't read it. We made Michelle read it. Michelle and, and Matt. don't remember what it was called. Uh, sweep something something. It was about the innkeeper with the magic broom and there's a... a I wonder uh, if that one was after this one because that is not on her list of no, books. I think it's... I think they're two separate universes. Uh, well, no, but this is a list of all the books she's written. And when was it published, though? When was this one published? This was... Oh, this was published in September of 19. That's so when that it was added to the library. Happened. Oh. When is it? Copyright date. Copyright 2019. Oh. Well, then, yeah. So they must be in separate universes. Uh, but Michelle and Matt... I think Matt was supposed to. I don't know if he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, read. and uh, It was one we read about the Rockstar Resort. Oh, made for a rock star. Yes. Um, the girl... Point won- of order. Yeah. Was in that title made for a rock star? Was it spelled like the cleaning lady? It made? was spelled like a cleaning lady. Okay, because that was her job. Yeah, I was gonna be so mad if it wasn't. Yeah, she wanted to be a weather person. <laughs> I forgot she got a that. she got a research position in Australia studying the weather. Yes, and that was her dream job that she gave up, or no, she did not give it up. Which was, well, no, she, she did not give it hey, up. She left. She gave it up. All right. Well, she did at the very end. Yeah. Um. But this book that Michelle had to read was about like an an inner planar innkeeper. Intergalactic. I don't think intergalactic. That suggests aliens instead of like uh, fantasy creatures, right? Oh, okay. So like inner planar innkeeper that was hosting a peace conference. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I'm going to ask her what the book was titled. That book with the innkeeper. Because I want to know. Okay. Please continue to say out loud as you I was really phone. trying to do both, but get this. It's very hard to uh, talk and type at the same so time. So the reason I was so excited to check out this book is because it has magic and guns oh, on yes, the cover. Oh, yes, it does. On the cover, there's a woman in a royal blue prom dress. Very plunging prom dress with a big slit up the side. She is holding some blue fire. <laughs> and she has her hand awkwardly on the shoulder of a man in a very ill-fitting suit who is uncomfortably holding a gun and his hair is slicked back like JC Chase says Chase says Chasses from InSync in the early 2000s. Um, and then around them there's a big swirl of blue flame and it says understandably sapphire flames. That's the name of the book. Very nice. Um, the the lady in question, her name is Catalina Baylor. Um, Still stresses me out that I had Catalia and you had Catalina, and they both go by cat. I do not know why she is holding fire. She never holds fire <laughs> in the actual book. Um, the, these prom dresses. Have I told you about my one of my book ideas about uh, book models? No, please do. I have this book idea about book models yeah. that, that pose for, for books, and they have to pose like they're in love most of the time, not this time, because yeah. this is the worst book cover I've ever seen. But like cover posing for bodice rippers, they have to like 
put their faces really close together and mm-hmm. basically be naked and holding each other and stuff. And the book idea would be a romance and like a, a semi-comedic romance between two models that model for these books that uh, begin to fall in love, but they don't think that the other one actually loves them because, you know, it's the job or whatever. Yeah. And so they like get really close and sparks, oh my God. And I, I, I felt like I was actually being held by him instead of, I didn't know the photographers were there or whatever. And then... they're like oh you know it's just business and they both feel for each other but then the guy gets a contract for this other book it's like what a slut that is posing with my the guy i want to be my boyfriend for hearts embrace or whatever the book would be called that's a pretty good book yeah that would be a good one um but that would that's my book idea about but these guys would not be in that book oh we need to get back to writing our (laughs) yeah we did a real bad job i know Um, but these guys would not be on that book cover because they very much don't look in love. No, this is the first Avon romance that, spoiler alert, does not have them bang once. Wow. There is no penetration in this After the trauma of the sex scenes that I had to read, I'm happy for you that you did not have to read any. Oh, thank you. I I still cannot believe that out of the conservatively thousands, probably tens of thousands of books in our local library... I picked that out. I had that in my hands and put it back because I found a different one. I cannot believe that. That is amazing because there are other books by Alona Andrews I would not have recognized. But you picked the one I did. I do. I am really intrigued by the other books in, <laughs> that are by her because inside the front cover, you can see the, the covers of those other books, which include titles like Burn For Me. Wildfire, Diamond Fire, and White Hot. And one of the covers is bordering on pornographic. Ooh, let me see. White Hot? Oh, you need to watch better pornography. He has conservatively a 19 pack, and she does not have a lower half of her body. Yeah, that makes for terrible pornography. The lower half is arguably (laughs) the more important half. Anyway. That's why mermaid porn is so rare. Okay, I just opened up to a random page. Oh. Where are you? Watching Runa. What is she doing? She's sitting in the remains of her house and crying. I'm going to let her cry it out and then follow her to make sure she gets home. Ragnar is awake. Ragnar is awake is much more interesting out of context than it is in context. Because <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like an old god. Which yeah. I... All right. Sapphire Flames. Begin summary. Okay. Uh, on page four is the phrase, epic fail. I almost threw it in the trash. It gets better, <laughs> but it really did not set me up for success when no. on page four, epic fail begins. And then on page five, this phrase, I couldn't even. My ability to even was severely compromised. <laughs> and at oh, this I'm point. I'm so glad that you had to read that. Those are like two of your least favorite phrases. I could not fathom how i was going to finish this you book. couldn't even um, so after those two awful things there was one more thing about not being able to even or something like that but for the most part it got really good because it got really wacky and i would just like to introduce you to all of the different types of mages oh, that I are introduced wait. in this book um I'm going to have you take a, a number. Pick a number of the different types of wizards, different types of mages that are introduced. Seven. Higher. Eleven. Higher. Fourteen. Higher. 
17? Higher. 22? 25 different oh, types of mages. No. And I assume there are others because they get introduced as they come up. So I assume there's some we didn't see. Our main character is a siren. And just like any young adult uh, book, I don't think this is young adult. This is just adult book. But just like any book about these Urban sorts of things. Urban fantasy slash explicit sex. Uh, she is the only one. <laughs> she is special. Uh-huh. She does not know of too many others like her at all. So she is a siren. She can send out waves of magic in her voice and get people to just love her. She's but so it's fancy. such it's such a danger because they might love her too much and then they might like tear her apart to try and have a piece of her close always. So Ooh. yeah, but it only works on people who don't already love her. Mm. So she can beguile and these sorts of things. Uh, continuing, poison mages. Poison mages are Ragnar and Runa, who are the clients of our main character Cats. Uh, family's investigative service. Okay. Uh, they can just sort of magically poison you and then you grow black fuzz after you die, like mold or whatever. Illusion mages, who I'm going to stop saying it, mages because then I, I'd have to say that uh, 25 times. Uh, illusion mages, damn it, are people who can make illusions and they mm-hmm. spend their time making themselves look very beautiful, but these illusions are let, leave them looking very cold as well. So you can always kind of tell. Okay. That it's like, it's not real because they look very uh, antiseptic, sort of beautiful. Before I go into the other 22 kinds of mages, this takes place in a city of urban fantasy. It is not Seattle and it is not New York. Atlanta. Good guess, but no, right? I would say quadrant of the country, not New Orleans. Shoot, that was going to be my next guess. I know, that's why I said it. I want you to think. Bigger cities, of course. Uh, lots of gun guns. Lots of guns on this one. Uh, Miami? No, good guess again. Relatively multicultural. Somewhere in Texas. Mm-hmm. Corpus Christi. <laughs> That's not a big city. Uh, Dallas? Nope. Houston. Mm-hmm. Okay. Houston, Tejas. So in Houston, Tejas is the only glimpse we get into this. Are you going to list the other types of mages? I will, yes. Okay, okay. But in Houston, Tejas, there is a inter-extrajudicial, extra-legal uh, system of houses, capital H, houses, okay. which are family organizations that have at least two primes within a generation. There's like a flow chart that I need to get out real quick. Oh, okay. And so there's like levels of magic and how powerful you are. And if you have two primes within a generation, you become a house and you get a little grace period. But once you're out of that grace period, which is what's happening to House Baylor... Uh, just now, then you're like free game and you can either be absorbed as a vassal house into one of the more powerful houses or just straight up destroyed because the mages are so powerful that basically the that law enforcement can't like enforce law. And so it's, they basically just let them do what they would like. Okay. And so whatever, it's extrajudicial and houses and stuff. And so basically every house has a different type of mage and there's house warfare. And so it's happening here as an example of that house warfare. And then in the, in the course of this house warfare, we not only run into the siren, uh, who is our main character, the poison mage, who is our client, the illusion mage, who is our introduction into this world. Mm-hmm. We also find truth-telling mages okay. who can look into your brain and see if you're telling the truth. 
Antistasi, which is Greek for resistance. Okay. Who can, I looked this up because it's also a name of a mod for Arma 3, which is a, a video game, a realistic dad video game where you like, imagine if you, your video game uh, tried to portray war as accurately as possible, but except for all the bad parts. Uh, there's a specific button for like between crouching and standing. I'll put it that way. Anyway, these mages uh, can shut down the magic of other mages within a very small range. Animal mages, which can control animals. Storm mages, which pretty clearly. Uh, pyrokinetics, aquakinetics, uh, aerokinetics, telekinetics. Uh, I assume... Those are waterbenders, airbenders, firebenders, and earthbenders. Well, I didn't say earthbenders. Uh, I would assume that that would be some sort of... I don't know Greek for Earth because this is all based in Greek root words. This is root words, the book. It <laughs> loves root words, and it's kind of fun. But I don't know the root word for Earth, so I can't tell you that one. Remember when I read the Achilliad and you got really excited because they made a lot of plays on like Latin and uh, yes, Latin yeah, root Latin words. Root words. Yeah. Um, so, so this sometimes one, you like this. I do. I like root words. I have a big fan of root words. This does stick relatively good to Greek. Uh, which is annoying because I know Greek less than I know Latin, mm-hmm. uh, which is to say negative one to zero. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are necromancers. There are multiple. There are two at least different kinds of savants that we meet. Okay. It is their magic that makes them smart. One of the savants make them makes them very good at uh, distilling visual information. Mm-hmm. And one of the other kinds of savants makes them very good at genetic engineering, which oh, comes up later. That sounds like it might lead to eugenics yeah yeah um then there's crypto mages people who are magically inclined to code and locks uh carnifex which are like butchers that can like basically rip your muscles apart with magic summoners which summon things metamorphosis mages which turn into creatures Okay. Uh, psionics, phobics, which can... Metamorphomages would have been better. That yeah, would have been better. Uh, psionics, which are just basically like uh, Professor X's. Uh, phobics, which can insert fears or basic uh, feelings, emotions into your body. Meniscosaurs, also called brain rippers, which can rip Ooh, apart brain and spinal that. tissue. Uh, ratio scissor, which I think I just wrote down very badly. I don't think ratio scissor was the actual word, but I'm not going to go back and find it. Uh, Hephaestus mages, which can make things make things out of just any random metal and make yeah. it into a thing. From, for example, a man bangs the table, and as the Civil War flies up, it flies over to his arm, and he now has a like magnum uh, gun. Uh, Aegis mages, Aegis meaning A E G I S. Oh, I know, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the literal translation. I know what it's always used for. Uh uh-uh. uh. Shield. Shield. Okay. Shield or shell. Uh, so they are shield mages, and then our our penile main character Alessandro uh. is a unnamed, unknown sort of mage that can basically summon a weapon, just or summon an item into his hands as he thinks about it, as long as it is within a twenty or two hundred meter range or something like that. So one time there's a bunch of bugs that were summoned by the summoner mage, and he was thinking of a large uh, insect swatter, so he got a baseball bat and threw it on the ground and tried again, because he's like not getting the ones he wants, which is pretty funny. That is pretty funny. And then he got a flamethrower. Oh, shit. So this, as as Michelle pointed out to me uh, through text 
that her book was called Clean Sweep or some shit. Uh, or something. <laughs> Excuse me. I added. Sweep in peace. Sweep in peace. That's terrible. Uh, that Alona Andrews was not as good as Yasmin Gallner, but has a, a similar other world vibe where there's mm, just like so yeah. much. Uh, it did get kind of fun with the so muchitude. I am keeping a list of every book I write along with a lesson learned from each book. And then the lesson learned from this book, before I get into it, my thesis, if I were to tell you like some sort of bad intro paragraph, would be sometimes it's fun to just go fucking crazy, baby. Just go wild, baby. All right. That's all the different kind of mages and the intro of this this book review. Catalina Baylor is the head of her house because her sister Nevada... Nevada and Catalina. It's a terrible name. I don't know. So Nevada got married to like the biggest dicked man in magic. Was he a horse? No. Uh, not literally big dicked. I, I assume he was probably big dicked literally. This is an Avon romance. Uh, but was like known around the world for being a dude not to fuck with. And so she got married to him and I assume the previous trilogy was about her. Okay. Now the this trilogy is about Cat Baylor. She has taken on the the house the head of the household. She is a siren, and basically every household that we run into is either a team of assassins or a team of private detectives. <laughs> and those are the two jobs. And those are the two jobs it can be. So she is a private detective. Uh, she is called by the illusion mage. Uh, there's a lot of character names, so I didn't bother, and neither will you, because uh, <laughs> I didn't. An illusion mage to come to a hospital because their uh, house burns down, burning a lot, or uh, burning a uh, mother in in the house along with one other body, and our two poison mages that we get Ragnar and Runa uh, are are the the do- daughter and son respect or son and daughter respectively Ragnar and Runa. Um, and Ragnar is standing on the edge of a hospital going to jump off because he, he is, you know, life is over. He's like a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Kat is called to come entice him back with her magic. And so mm-hmm. she uses her siren magic to get him off the ledge. And so this begins Then she's hired by the family of Runa to find out who killed the mom and why because it, there's some fishy play abounding. Uh, hijinks and and some amount of private investigation happens, and it, it <laughs> comes out that the mom was not killed in the fire; she was killed, and then the fire was set to uh, cover hide. it up. Yeah, yeah. covered up. And there's another body in it that is leading everyone to believe that it's the sister of Runa and Ragnar. It's not. The sister's alive. Hooray! Yay! We never find out who that other body was. Oh. Yeah, it's just a different body. Just someone had just like a spare body laying around. Yeah, we never get a read if there's there's the man uh, Alessandro is from Italy in an Italian house, but we never really get a read on the other cities in the world other than Houston, Texas, if mm. they're dealing with the same sort of house warfare, or if it's just for some yeah. god unknown reason localized to Houston. Houston has always things that no one else does. Uh, we do get some amount of alternate history, which is kind of funsies. Uh, there was the World War instead of a World War, okay. and I was wondering if this was like an extra piece of uh, fake history, or if this is alternate history. Yeah. And I think it was alternate history because it mentioned like trenches and such. So I think huh. it was an alternate World War One, which is kind of interesting. Okay. And that there was magic, and they found this serum that can empower mages and make them more powerful. And so it was just like 
just world ending basically yeah. and and after the war was and all that was left was Houston. <laughs> oh god. <no. laughs> after the war was done basically the nations of the world united to say like that was messed up let's not do that and so agreed as a whole to hide this Osiris serum mm-hmm. away. And everything was fine until the and fire everything was attacked. <laughs> the fire kinetics. Uh, so she goes to try and find out who actually killed the mom because there's a video of a warped mage, which is what happens when you try to Osiris serum a non-magical person to make them magic. They get all like warped and like animalistic and freaky looking, but they're not supposed to be able to do magic. They'll have Mm. like superhuman tendencies, but they shouldn't be able to do magic. Okay. And they can do magic. (gasps) So she has to find out how and why. And the first place she goes is... The antagonist's office, we basically, like, immediately know. And this is the one thing I'm jealous of, of authors like this. It's like, I wish I could just make people evil. Just like, I'm evil! (laughs) Yeah. Because it makes for way easier books and way more fun books. But it's just hard to do. Yeah. Uh, And so the evil guy is Benedict. Cumberbatch? No. De Lucia or something like that. He is one of those phobic mages that can make people fear fear so bad that they die. Um, and so she goes to confront him and uh, on her way back she's followed and uh, this Italian dude both shoots through a window from a concealed sniper position therefore letting Benedict kick her out instead of keeping her or some such. Uh, and then uh, our main character goes into an abandoned mall, which is kind of a fun sequence to fight off like 12 special forces. Uh, and the the Italian love interest shows up and basically summons a bunch of guns and kills them. But not after she beguiled four of them to act as her own personal bodyguard, which is also kind of fun one. She has a gladius, which is a Roman short sword. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. And this book, I think really wanted to have legitimacy and so it did a lot of wikipedia research into guns because it'd be like the sig sour which is yeah. the the traditional side or the uh sidearm of the united states military carried a, a nine millimeter shell with this long i'm like <laughs> chill out alone andrews it's fine i like that it brought in like all of these greek root words and also a lot of very specific stuff about guns and it she has like an ancient Roman sword. Well, it's like a, it's new. It's, it's not set like in an Houston. Antique. Oh, yeah. okay. It, uh, Gladius is a type of sword. Oh. It's basically both pointy and sharp, if that makes sense. Got it. Most most swords pick one, and the Gladius is both pointy and sharp, and she uses it a lot. So she does some Fallout or not Fallout, some Far Cry three takedowns mm-hmm. of of the the boys as a stealth, and then the guy shows up to kill the rest of them. Uh, on the way escaping the mall, there's a metamorphosis mage, which turns into a red ape, uh, which is later dispatched with a uh, chainsaw because the guy, Al Sancho, summons the chainsaw and then is chasing it around. Oh, shit. And I do have to say, I love it. I love the the sort of magic where he just thinks of a thing and it appears in his mind, but it might not be right. And so he tries a couple different times and then... Where she's like underneath a cement mixer because they're in a construction site and like looks and he's chasing it around with a chainsaw. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like from what you've said so far, if we had read an Alona Andrews book before we had read oh, an Otherworld yeah. book, 
This could have been our other world. This I don't been know. Good. Yeah, I feel like there's good. enough Just... in there that would have made us laugh. Yes, I think it, there was a lot of what, uh, and so. <sighs> she continues investigating. Don't investigate. She continues investigating, and it's she's getting over her head. And the the she doesn't like that the Italian guy Alessandro is so handsome, but is also apparently to her eyes a hired killer because these guys that chased her into the mall were hired killers. Mm. And it's like I don't want to. You know, you seem warmer and nicer, but that's the job, and so I can't date a person like oh, that. Okay. And so that's the conflict. And relatively well handled it's not just okay. like i have a boner but i'm gonna hide it from you like how to marry a duke or whatever mm-hmm. this is more than that um so she goes to find or she comes to find out the reason the mom was assassinated is that she, the mom was hired to assassinate a different target but was killed because she refused and you can't refuse and the guy she was supposed to kill with her poison magic was like the head of the uh, officially uh, unofficial house government in Texas, uh, who's an Hephaestus mage. And <laughs> so they go to his place, which is just crawling with automated turrets. And he's like super powerful and well-connected. And they're like, hey, someone was trying to kill you. And we, th- we were finding out these mages are capable, of, or these warped mages are capable of magic, which shouldn't be possible. So what's happening? And so he basically makes her swear on a stack of Texas Bibles that, he, that she's not going to tell anyone. <laughs> and he swears her in as a warden, capital D, Ooh, warden. Of course. Basically what a super cop is. Uh, and she Ooh. she will now be carrying out uh, super cop duty <laughs> uh, in finding these uh, warped mages. Uh, and so she goes home with just a little bit of info but there's some amount of like double brainwashing that doesn't allow her to brainwash to find the answers so they find the main antagonist who's making these warped mages through doxing they dox on the internet this main thing they go and look at the <laughs> the like uh mage facebook okay they find the forum entries that share the name with this lady that they're looking for okay then find a Twitter account that had commented on her posts in a way that implied that she knew yeah. the person making the post. Find out the Twitter account that, that had only commented, found a picture that shared a hashtag with the forum posts that had multiple people in it, and through uh, reverse image searching, found the rest of the people who were like dead, married, and had three kids, like uh, uh, was in a different country, and then one had genetic engineering savant. Uh, credentials and so that's your ladies they found the antagonist through doxing like some 4chan ass shit um that's hilarious which is pretty good and so they they go to the opera (laughs) they found their villain through doxing and then they went to the opera they know the main villain but they need to find the lady who's making these warped mages right they who could who improved the osiris serum enough to be able to make non-magical people magical while mm-hmm. like accepting some amount of warpedness while still allowing them to do magic. And so the sister that supposedly died in the fire is being used to detoxify all these warped people just in case they're going to get poisoned from the serum. That's why she's there. That's the whole thing. Um, and so they go to the opera because the opera is this very night after they discover who it is. Uh, and so they go to the opera, and that is when this book went from, like, yeah, this is kind of fun, to, like, why? 
what? Because Wacky and weird. This book does a really good job of basically like a Baltimore policeman planting Pavlov's guns just all over the place. And so it's Some just like... Some there. Thank you. Uh, Pavlov's pistols, planting Pavlov's pistols. Like a Pittsburgh... Policeman. Po- like a... Policeman in Pittsburgh planting Pavlov's pistols. Yes. Uh, and so there's all these different kinds of mages, and they're also powerful, and there's all these threats. And then they get to the opera, and there's like high society baloney garbage, and there's also ex-girlfriends of Alessandro who's challenging him over this dowdry hot, of course, lady that he's with. And so then they brought like a bodyguard for the genetics lady who is a type of mage where he just gets really big and strong. He's just a fighter mage. I forgot to mention <laughs> that one. Uh, and they're all really... 26 kinds of mages. 26 kinds of mages like Baskin Robbins. Uh, and so they're just going to... He just gets really big and dumb and he gets mad and he changes. And so a fight begins and all the other non-assassin uh, like people grouped in the Secret Society of Assassin mages basically are on the side by default of our main characters because okay. they're like, what are you doing? And so that's kind of funny to see all these powerful wizards just all of a sudden break into a fight because this one <laughs> big brute starts trying to fight people. Uh, but that's when it starts getting really good. And then it, it has like a triple climax where we get to the doxing and then we get to the opera and then we go to the actual lab where these things are being made because alessandro got teleported away and he's naked because inorganic things can't be teleported that's Mm -hmm. never used to access or never used to any of its use they do make out in the opera i forgot to mention that and she has no bonus no bonus she has her dress slipped beneath her boobies and he's all up in them but she's afraid that she's making him love her and so Mm. she doesn't want it to happen but it turns out you can't be beguiled because he already loves her so Anyway, then the family is going to take the fight to the lab, which they find out where it is, and they're going to go, and the big government guy who's the Hephaestus mage gets dropped out of a helicopter in an exosuit, and the family comes with the daughter, with Kat, and it turns out that the younger sister is a metamorpho mage, but she doesn't turn into just like a big red ape. She turns into a 60-foot-tall monster. Jesus! Like that one book that you read where she turned into like a 60-foot-tall... Um, monster? No, it was like a combination. She was a, a Oh, the, you read it too. Yeah. she That girl grew to 12 feet tall. Same thing. Yeah, the honey... Ba- no, it's not. That's a five-time magnitude. Um, I'm funny. I know. being funny too. 60 feet tall tall and so the exosuit goes missling shooting that's several stories yeah that's nothing to sneak that's six stories uh and so the big huge creature and the exosuit go stomping around the base while alessandro is trapped and then we go in with her cousin leon who never misses that's his magic forgot to add that one 27 jeez um and so then they find the guy and it, it ends and the, they find the sister and they put a stop to it. Whoo! And then the surprising thing at oh, the no. end. Oh no. No, don't get that, oh. that was the, the craziness of it. The guy, Alessandro, leaves. They don't wind up together they in the end. They don't wind up together in the I end. I like it. Well, it's, it's vastly hinted that this is the first book and he's got business to settle. 
um he is sitting on a roof and watching her and she the the other pieces of her family his family which are set to be like two haughty noses in the air to ever uh, agree him to marry her uh later are like you know you that would make a really good match and you could live with since she's the head mm-hmm. she can't leave right she's the prime yeah well it takes two two to prime oh. uh and so Anyway, it was a, it was actually I like that they didn't wind up together in the end. Yeah, not yet. I feel like this was actually kind of fun. Yeah, it was a good one. 28 different kinds of mages or That's a lot of mages. It was. It was it was fun. Muchos magos. Uh what kind of sex book doesn't have any sex in it? That's what I ask you. A better one than mine. Well, then it's not much of a sex book. It's just a book. Any who's do you want to hear what book you're getting? I mentioned it oh, before, God. but yes, I have to actually I find suppose. it and order it. You are of course going to get How the Dukes Stole Christmas. Oh no. By Tessa Dare, Sarah McLean, Sophie Jordan, and Joanna Shoop. We mentioned it last time. And shoop, there's, shoop, shoop. And there's no way I'm passing it up. From the ballrooms of London to the abandoned Scottish castles to the snowy streets of Gilded Age, New York, four best-selling authors whip up some unforgettable holiday romance complete with stranding snowstorms, Christmas miracles, arrogant dukes, and New York newspapermen. There's no way you're getting out of this just tightening the net of Biblioval singularity it's all one Christmas big thing sex book they all they rubber. have conferences they have to they have to there's Where like they co-write all these books do you think it's in like well in the meadow room we're gonna have a presentation on how to deal with when Biblioval reads your book and there's like an easel <laughs> that's like that has the and there's numbers. like black and white pictures of us <laughs> yeah and red string but at the bottom of it it has like four just the number four. Oh, yeah. And as they're talking, they point to it and it's like, this is how many listeners they have. Ha ha ha. Anyway. Speaking of that, thanks to all four of our listeners. Thank you. We appreciate it very much. This is a thing we like doing, but we wouldn't have nearly as much fun doing it without recording it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we record it for the one person we know actively listens every week. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah. In this essay, I have talked about two different <laughs> terrible... No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dickima, D-I-C-K-I-M-M, nope, D-I-C-K-I-M-A-A. I am on Twitter at Susan J, that's you, S with three U's, S-A-N-J. And you can find the podcast account at Bibliovile, B-I-L-B-I-O-V-I-L-E. B-I-B-L-I-O-V-I-L-E. Dag. And the intro music to our podcast is Babe of the Night by the band Elixir off of their album Rampant. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you in two weeks. I love you, Matt and Michelle. Good night.